Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagara, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. Our podcast normally focuses on embracing your inner strength and finding the courage to overcome adversity in your own life. Today, I'm joined by Samra Zafar, a truly remarkable woman who embodies courage, and I don't think there could be a better example of someone who has transformed adversity into a triumphant life. She's an award-winning speaker, author, advocate, and one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women and top 25 immigrants in Canada. Samra, it's my privilege to speak with you today. Welcome to Courage in Action, the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. Uh, Amazing. Wait for our conversation. Me too. So, if you don't mind um, starting off with telling us a little bit about your story and how um, how your path led to where you are today. My story started off uh, in a, uh, I, It's funny because I used to say my story started off when I came to Canada, but I think it started off the day I was born, and. Um, I grew up in a family and culture and community where I was often told that my dreams were too big because of my gender and that I should um, fit into certain boxes in order to be accepted and loved. And uh, uh, and I tried to, you know, conform or um, bent myself out of shape, even as a young girl and uh, uh, like whether it was, you know, not being able to play outside with the boys anymore or um, not sharing all my radical idea, ideas of gender inequality. And and I would push back. I would, you know, start my own girls cricket team at school or I would launch oh, I love a newspaper it. and start writing articles about, about all the stuff that I believed in. Uh, but it was all cut short when uh, I was 16 years old and I was pushed into an arranged marriage and shipped off to Canada as a child bride and married to a much older man that I had never met before. And the marriage was very oppressive, very abusive. I was not allowed any freedom or independence or uh, the right to pursue my education or make friends or work. And um, many years I was told that um, I, this is my place. I should be grateful that I got to the real purpose of a woman sooner than later. And I didn't have to go all through all of that education stuff Wow. So I tried for a very long time to make it work, but it never, ever seemed right. You know, there was like, yeah, everybody's telling me this is right, but it doesn't feel right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And that voice in my head never went away. Mm. So I was very adamant about my education. That was one thing I just could not give up on. So I completed my university, uh, my high school through distance learning, then started daycare to pay for university. And I eventually started university while I was still married after nine years of marriage. And that is what changed my life or helped me change my life because education opened up my mind. It gave me confidence. It um, gave me uh, the knowledge by knowing that um, what was happening to me was abuse and it wasn't okay and I did deserve better. And that knowledge became my biggest power. Uh, so eventually I did leave the marriage and I finished university and got a lot of academic success, which is what prompted me to start sharing my story because 
I knew that this isn't just my story. This is the story of millions and millions of women and girls around the world who yes. continue to suffer in silence. And I wanted to do my part to make a difference. And there's no looking back since. <laughs> That's amazing. So you've obviously always had a lot of courage. Uh, it sounds like from when you were very, very young. How did you find the courage on that to take that first step to leave your marriage? Honestly, courage is not something that you have or you don't have. You know, some people mm. and people ask me this quite often. Like, what is what is that magic ingredient that you that have? magic words that yeah. we use? Yeah. I always say it isn't something that you're born with or not born with or some special gene that's missing in your body or it is a muscle. Mm. Just like any other muscle in your body, it's an emotional muscle that you build and strengthen over time. And each time you choose to act from a place of courage rather than fear, you are building that muscle. So just like, you know, when you go weightlifting and you're able to lift five pounds and then eventually work up to 10 and 15, that's exactly how it is. And I always chose to, or at least for the most part, tried to choose to act from a place of courage rather than fear. And and that doesn't mean I wasn't afraid. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's knowing I'm afraid. I acknowledge I'm afraid. I'm terrified. But I know in my heart, this is the right thing to do. So I'm going to do it. So right. I'm going to do it. So um, I'll give you a few examples. You know, when I, when I was in my early years of marriage, there was never any hope of ever being able to go to university. I was a teenage mom. I was a housewife. I was taking care of my husband and his parents and everybody. There was never any hope that I would ever be able to set foot into university, but I would still stand in front of the mirror and practice my graduation speech. Wow. And 10 years later, it happened Uh, because I believed in it so strongly and I found ways to finish high school. I found a way to go to university. And that doesn't mean there weren't setbacks. There were so many setbacks and so many little detours and things that I have to do and think outside of the box. But when you keep your eyes on your North Star and you know that that is right, it feels right, you don't let anything stand in the way of that, you will find a way. So courage isn't something that you have or not have. Courage is something you develop and you build Um, So start off with small acts of courage and then that will become second nature. And then you just kind of keep going up that hill. And what do you have an example maybe of like one of those little steps that you took towards, you know, getting your education or how did that conversation? So for example, um, when I wasn't allowed to go to a regular high school to finish my high school courses, because I hadn't even finished high school when I got married and came to Canada. Yeah. 11. So um, at that time in Ontario, we needed grade 13. So I wasn't allowed to go to a regular high school because I was now a mom and I had to stay at home yeah. and take care of my in-laws. And um, I found, uh, I, I found uh, out about this place called the Independent Learning Center. And you can order your courses and you can do study at home. It's like self-study through distance learning. And I would do all my house, all my chores and be the good wife and the good mom and the good daughter-in-law. And then I would go home or go into my room uh, at the end of the day. And that's where I would study. And Hmm. it took me five, more than five, actually five or six years to finish my high school credits. Right. So I could have given up. There were so many times when I was told to give up. (laughs) I yelled at, I was, uh, 
reprimanded. I was told that I was selfish uh, and I was um, an abnormal woman for having these dreams. And if I had listened to all of those voices instead of the voice that I had in me, then I wouldn't be here today. Similarly, when I wanted to go to university, I got in and I wasn't allowed, or I didn't have money to go and my ex-husband wouldn't pay for my fee because there was no useless money according to him. <sighs> and I couldn't get OSAP because they look at household income and his income was above the cutoff. Right. So I was like, okay, now I got to make my own money, but I can't go out and get a job. So then I started to think of ways to make money at home and I started a home daycare and I was able to secure some clients and I would stash money away on the side, a few hundred bucks every month as uh, even as most of my money would be taken away from me, I would secretly hide some. Wow. And it took me another two or three years to save enough for my high school, uh, for my first year tuition fee as a part-time student. So it's about, you know, just knowing that this is my path and maybe it'll take a bit longer uh, then what is the, you know, the orthodox timeline, or maybe it'll be uh, different, but it's your unique path. And yeah. it's never, ever too late to start acting from a place of courage. That's amazing. And I think, you know, so many times we think about all of the milestones in life, everything we should be doing, what everybody says that we should be doing. And sometimes hearing that inner voice is really it's really hard to hear it sometimes to quiet all the external and, and get down to what you really want in your heart. So I think, you know, anybody going through any sort of domestic violence or anything like that on a regular basis is challenging. Then when we have COVID-19 on top of that and you're, you're locked down and even more limited, how do you think people can still uh, follow that voice or, or get that moment where they can have enough time and space to even hear and think about what they want? Oh, this is such a timely question. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did last month. Oh, okay. I was um, feeling this for a while, you know, especially during the pandemic and just being at home and being stressed out and all of that. I really was craving that time and space to myself to be able to listen to my own voice. Yes. And uh, I had been thinking maybe I should go away on a road trip. And usually I get that time and space when I'm like doing my speaking and traveling and all of that. But obviously that's no longer um, happening right now because of COVID. So I was like, okay, maybe I should go away somewhere on a road trip. And I did go away for three days to Algonquin. It was great, but I felt like I needed more than that. Um, so I went to Gatineau for three days to visit a friend. And when I was there, I'm like, you know what? I can't travel right now. I can't be on a plane. I don't want to be on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what can I do? And I was just sitting there and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to go home. I'm just going to keep going. And I'm going to explore Quebec. Wow. So I called my car rental company and I said, because I was supposed, I just had the car for three days. And I said, can I extend it for a month? Sure. Um, went to, I had, I didn't even have clothes or anything. I packed literally two pairs of outfits. So I went in to a Walmart, brought some cheap clothes and bottles of water and some protein bars and a couple of pillows and a blanket in case I didn't find a hotel in whichever town I ended up in. And I had to sleep in the car. Mm -hmm. I took off. I love it. You're just like, that's it. I'm going. No plan, <laughs> nothing, no bookings, obviously. Yeah, and, um, and I just figured it out as I went. And it was a month-long trip through all of Maritime Quebec. I did all the whole whale route. And then I took the ferry to the north side and went all the way up to 
northern Quebec, um, near the border of Labrador. And uh, and I was in untouched, beautiful, oh. serene islands and villages. And, uh, you know, like it, like some of the islands that I went to, you can only get there by boat and there's no civilization. You just, they give you an hour to just walk around. All you leave is footsteps and all you take is pictures and memories. That's and incredible. It was so healing. And, uh, and, you know, in a way it turned out to be an amazing thing because I didn't, because I don't speak French, so I couldn't talk to anybody else. I was forced to have conversations with myself. Mm. And I listened to some really profound audiobooks. I really listened to my own voice. And one, one of the commitments I made when I started the trip was that I'm going to do whatever comes to me. Like I'm going to actually listen consciously to my intuition and to the voice within me and do it without questioning it or rationalizing it from a logical standpoint. So, you know, I would be driving along the highway and I would see a little path and the voice in me would say, go down that path. And and I wouldn't question it. I would go down the path and I would find a beautiful sunset point or I would uh, meet somebody that says exactly what I need to hear or I would just... Uh, have a moment to myself to get a really, you know, powerful epiphany or realization. It, it honestly, this trip was, I, I feel like I've lived a lifetime in that one month, but I came back with this renewed commitment to myself and a renewed determination to act from a place of courage and a renewed faith mm-hmm. that the universe has got my back. And that is what allows you to have and act from that place of courage that in whatever we do, when, you know, we, we can't control things. None of the things that have happened in my life have come from a place of me controlling them. Uh, you have no control whatsoever. It, control is an illusion. Right. But what yes. is in your power is whether you are true to yourself or not. And when you're not true to yourself, when you're not listening to your own voice, when you're listening to other people's voices over your own, then that's what you will attract automatically. That's right. that was me many years ago when uh, I, was lis- I was listening to the voices of my family and his family and trying to conform myself into the box that was prescribed for me. And I was not happy. But when I started to listen to my voice and act from that place of courage, rather than fear of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Where am I going to go and all? And I'm like, no, act from a place of like, what's going to happen will happen. Life will pass anyway. I'd rather fail trying than sitting yes. at all. So that's when I was true to myself. And then amazing things started to happen and come into my life. Like my uh, my academics and my my articles and my book deal. And now the book being turned into a film and all of the all of those things have happened because I was true to me and that's where your power lies and we often associate Mm -hmm. power with control you know we think being in control is our power but actually it isn't control is an illusion Um, so what is your power is authenticity and it's your power is is you and yourself and your unique light and you will never do anyone any service least of all yourself by diminishing your fire to fit into other people's expectations. And that's the power of courage. And that's when you, you know, when you don't have the answers, you don't have all the, all the path figured out, but you believe in yourself enough to know that you will figure it out as you go along. 
because you're you're being true to who you are and you go forward with that faith, I guarantee you will never ever regret it. That's the incredible thing about what you're saying is that's such freedom. No matter where you are or what you're doing, it's complete freedom because exactly as you just said, your power is your authenticity. Yeah. And who you are. Um, and I think, you know, as you said, it'll take you down a path in life, but no path is wrong. And that's, I think. And it's your path. Freedom. Yeah, that's it's your own. Take you down your path. Yes. You'll carve your path and your path will not look like anyone else's path. Because yeah. so you, you are unique and you are a gift to this world. But the world tells us to, or, or trains us to believe that we have to be like everybody else in order to succeed. Mm. Whereas actually it's the other way around. Because yeah. when you're truly unique, that's when you're going to do what you're best at. And no one else can do it better than you. And that's when you're really, really going to shine. And sometimes that's that's the service that you are here to give to humanity and the world and yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's understanding that that will allow you not to diminish your own, your own shine and your own power. Because a lot of times we're told to make ourselves smaller, be nice, follow all the rules, do all of these things. And I think the freedom to just know who you are and act from your heart is, is really how you start to find that path of your very own. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as we're going along those paths, um, one of the things that I think we have to understand and be able to deal with is that there are going to be barriers and bumpy parts and really challenging, you know, climbs. And, and uh, some of those can be oriented around discrimination, whether it's around gender or race or, excuse me, sexual orientation or anything like that. And I think a lot of that conversation is starting to bubble up uh, around the world in everything that we're seeing. Do you feel like there's a bit of an awakening that society is more ready to talk about these barriers and accept them or not accept them, but overcome them? Um, How are you finding that as you're navigating things? these days? I think it's a, it's, it's a large spectrum. I think definitely, I mean, as I said, you know, when, when the Me Too campaign was at its peak and I said, Mm -hmm. if me, if all that Me Too does is give women their voices back and, and tells women that it's okay to speak up and removes the shame and stigma from speaking up, that's, that's in it, that in itself is a huge win, right? Whether we are able to, uh, everything else can only be a step forward. So I think that's what's happening right now in the realm of um, racism and discrimination. And certainly as a woman of color, I've felt so many times that I've been discriminated against or I've been uh, I've been um, put into a box that don't rise above this. Uh, I've been told to be less of who I am uh, mm-hmm. in order to make others comfortable. I have been um, uh, I've been overlooked. Absolutely. Um, and I've ha- I've often felt I've been uh, have I've had to work multiple times as hard to get to the same place where uh, where whereas uh, as compared to what it would have been if I was white and blonde and blue eyed. Right. So <laughs> and I'm sure uh, every every woman of color can relate to that. Uh, so definitely, you know, there's these conversations need to happen. And if if all this does is give give us the platform and the freedom to speak our truth 
and voice our concerns, um, that is that is the first step to creating any change uh, is to break the silence. And I'm really glad that these conversations are happening. Um, and there will be discomfort. There will be pushback. Um, for example, like I was recently at a restaurant with a friend of mine who was a white male. I got there before him. He had a reservation. And I got there before him and I said, we have a reservation, we have a table. And I was denied service. I was told that, no, all the tables are booked. You should go somewhere else. And then I went outside and my friend shows up, goes in, and I didn't go in with him, got a table instantly. Wow. And when I went in, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, uh, the hostess was shocked that I, I was actually with him. You know, wow. and... <laughs> And uh, and then we were seated in all, but it, it bothered me a ton. Of course he it did. Her, like when I told my friend about it, and this is something that eventually, you know, I had a conversation with him about because I was like, if this isn't addressed, we can't move forward with this friendship. But when I told my friend, this is what happened. You know what he, his response was? Oh, um, I said, you know what? We should we should go talk to the manager right now. And he goes, uh, no, 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 go go and talk to them after I'm gone because I come here all the time. Wow. You protect privilege at my expense. Yes. And at that time, it bothered me so much. I didn't say much. Like I I kind of laughed it off. But then as I sat with it afterwards, I'm like, this is. No, that's not acceptable. No. So I, I called him up. I had this very tough conversation and I said, you know, you need to realize what you were doing. And he was profusely apologetic and uh, eventually you know um, I think it was a big learning moment for him so I think there's a way to make to grow right like on one hand it's people who are experiencing this firsthand uh, and and again uh, you know I, I know that there are so many out there who have it, who have experienced far worse things. Um, so it, on many levels. So mm-hmm. we are there, but at the same time, you know, there are people, there are white people who are trying uh, to learn and they will not be perfect. So while yes, we want to hold people accountable, let's not also forget that they're humans and a lot of these things are unconscious. Right. So what I did with my friend to bring it up to a conscious level and put it out on the table. And when he saw what he did from my perspective, he was mortified, Mm -hmm. right? I could have reacted as, you know what? You're an asshole. I don't want to talk anymore. Yeah. You're racist. I can't believe you're protecting your white supremacist privilege in at my defense, right? <laughs> right. I could have done that and it would have been a valid response. Fair. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I think it was it was it was a conscious decision decision on my part to say, you know what? He's not perfect. I know him. He's a he's been a friend for a long time. So let's sit down and have this conversation. And if if after that conversation he continued to justify, then yes, I would totally say all those things and walk away. But, yeah, yes. but you know, I think it's a two-way street. And I think there's going to be discomfort. There's going to be push and pull. There's going to be, um, you know, a, a lot of different difficult conversations which are necessary. But at the same time, you know, you also have to have your boundaries, uh, this happened to my daughter. She works at Starbucks, and um, a few months, uh, a few weeks ago, 
somebody, uh, she told me that somebody came into her, uh, came into the store, asked for coffee. And you know, at Starbucks right now, they're, they're pouring the cream and stuff themselves. They don't have those cream, like yes. counters that they used to. Yeah. So she asked the customer how much cream they would like in their coffee. And he said, as a joke, I don't know if it was as a joke or a dig at her. I'm like, oh God, oh, what did you say? Just put enough so it matches your skin. Oh God. Or it matches your color. Oh dear. So, and he, you know, he thought it like. He thought he was probably being cute. With yeah. The, yeah. Ugh. But <laughs> it just, it is, it is horrifying, you know, and, and she had a really horrible time through that. So, and we think that, oh, these are just comments. Come on. But they cause emotional trauma. They yes. cause psychological trauma, like feeling, feeling like you're less than human because of the skin you're in. Yes. And it, it it's like a drip effect. You know, you it's like it's like a drop of acid one after the other after the other. Over time, it corrodes yes. your self-esteem, your confidence, your mental health, everything. Right. So we need to bring these conversations out from under the rug. We need to break the silence. We need to push the dialogue forward um, in this capacity. And, and that's going to that's going to cause and ruffle a few feathers, which is okay, because those are the ruffles, feathers that need to be ruffled, frankly. Yes, and that's where you'll find out who, after their feathers are ruffled, who actually is able to change and grow with you and who needs to just move aside and, and not be part of your life anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think going into that uncomfortable space, that's a different form of courage or a courage coming out in a different way in your life because without having those difficult conversations, you're never going to understand the other person's perspective. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a moment of, and again, I would, you know, I, I obviously I had this conversation with my friend because I know him. You but know, if, yeah, exactly. If somebody random, uh, I'm not going to have the energy or time or space to sit down with them and try to explain to them um, because it's not our responsibility to teach. It's their responsibility to learn. So you have to pick your battles. You have to have your boundaries. And some days you're like, yeah, I want to take on the world and teach them a lesson. Or some days you're like, you know what? I'm just so tired. I'm just done. And, yeah. and, and that's what my daughter said, you know, when that, when that moment happened with this customer and the cream in the coffee and I said what did you say and she said I didn't say anything I just served him his coffee mom I'm just tired yeah I'm just tired of doing this yeah you you can't stop to educate every human that comes into 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 your day right um but you know that's what you said about that sort of drip effect and how it slowly erodes into your subconscious I think um you know I grew up in the Middle East and immigrated to Canada as well and they are Society always said the lighter your skin, the better. You see oh. all these whitening creams on the shelves. And then like deep down somewhere, that message is living in you uh, in terms of your confidence, in terms of how you present yourself to the world. And it took me, it was after I moved to Canada where I really started to love and embrace the color of my skin and You're how beautiful. dark I would get. Oh, thank you. <laughs> As are you. We're all perfect. <laughs> But it takes it takes work. It takes effort. It takes coming out of your comfort zone, um, and it really takes recognizing who you are on the inside and outside, and embracing all of it. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's the damage that maybe it's the invisible damage that happens when you face things like discrimination or any kind of, you know, violence or abuse. There's almost an immeasurable impact on your mental health and well-being. And those emotional scars run very, very deep and probably are the hardest to heal. And you've obviously gone through a lot in your life. So how did you start to heal those and sort of overcome? You know, um, I often say that what happened to you is not your fault. Yes. But healing from it is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you realize that and take, take responsibility for your own healing, the better off you'll be. Because one of my things was, because I'd seen this, especially the cycle of abuse, domestic abuse, I'd seen this happen in my family over and over again. Like my, my father was abusive. Mm-hmm. My, uh, my grandfather was abusive. Very, very patriarchal family. So it was just women were subjugated for centuries, for, for generations. Right. And then in my life, um, I wanted to break that cycle with my daughters. So, yeah. But when I got out of my marriage and... and uh, and my mom never left. So, but my dad died. And then, but I saw my mom over the years become hardened and um, almost unapproachable because that was her coping mechanism. She wanted to be build the walls. vulnerable. She built the walls around her. Mm-hmm. And when I got out of my marriage and I was the first, I am the first ever woman in my entire extended family to ever get a divorce. I faced a lot of shame and stigma for that. Right. When I got out of my marriage, um, I was very conscious that I do not want to end up like my mom. I wanted to experience joy and love mm. and happiness. Yeah. I wanted to have meaningful relationships and friendships. I wanted to be there for, for my children, with my children. I wanted, I was like, I don't want my past to affect my present and my future. Right. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to heal. And I proactively seeked out therapy, counseling, reading books about healing from trauma. And I still do. I still mm-hmm. see my therapist. It's been 10 years now. Therapists are the best. I therapists love my therapists. <laughs> exactly. I, I still, I'm in regular therapy. Yeah. I'm constantly reading books around trauma and healing and everything because every time I read something or go through something I learned new stuff and I had a very I ha- and I have a lifelong commitment to myself and I listen I really pay attention to the dialogue that enters in my mind is this coming from a place of trauma and if it is how do I change that narrative how do I go from a place of fear to a place of love right and it's no matter what you've been through in life, you can live a life of love and joy and beauty. There's a lot of life after trauma. There's a lot of love after trauma, but you have to heal first. And healing takes time. Healing is not linear. There will be setbacks. Trust me, there have been days when I've cried for hours, if not days on end. There are moments that still affect me like, Two, uh, a year and a half ago, I was moving homes and was packing stuff away. And in one of the boxes, I came across um, my very first passport after I got married. Oh. It was a passport. My age was 17. My marital status was married. My occupation was housewife. And there was a picture of me on that in that passport that was taken 
when I was 16 years old because I had wow. just been 17 after uh, when I got married. So mm-hmm. that picture was a few months old. So it was 16 when I, I, and I looked like my daughter in that picture. Oh my gosh. And just seeing that, and, and I've been sharing my story for years, but just yes. seeing that in front of me, and I almost felt like it was an auto, out-of-body experience because I was seeing the younger me. I was seeing the childlike me. And I felt so sad for her, not sorry <sighs> for her, not sorry for myself, just but sad. sad. Yeah. This girl will never be able to experience what it's like to go to concerts with friends and your biggest worry being your next exam or uh, choosing who to marry or when to fall in love or when to have children, if to have children, all those experiences that come from a, from youth and, chi- and, and childhood and growing up, that that's never going to happen. Mm. And nothing is worth that, you know, and that just made me feel extremely sad. And sometimes, you know, when people ask me, um, what is the, well, what, if he, if he turned out to be a good husband, it would have been okay. Right. And I'm like, even if he turned out to be the best husband, would it be okay for me to have lost my childhood and my adolescence and my right to grow up and, and your choice and my choice. Exactly. So that day when I saw that passport, I couldn't stop sobbing uncontrollably for three Makes hours sitting in a closet. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you will absolutely have moments like that where you will fall apart and then you have to put yourself back together yeah. again and you have to get up and you have to move on. So healing is not just like some quick fix that, oh yes, you've you've been stitched up and then you're gone and, and you're off into the sunset. It's a constant process. Forgiveness is a constant process. And there are some days when I'm quick to forgive my parents or his parents or him because I want I don't want that power over me anymore Um, and there are some days when I really struggle to forgive them and that's okay that's all part of the human experience so when people think about healing you know it's not like it's not like you in and say oh you, you you have to move on you have to let go you never move on from these things you move on with these things Mm-hmm. And you develop, you move on with trauma and you develop skills and coping tactics and healthy behaviors and mindfulness to be able to move on with it and manage it and live a happy and free and loving life. And most of all, loving towards yourself. I think that's the most important thing. And what I found really interesting, one thing you said was, you know, you had transformed the adversity and all the challenges into love. And very often we talk about triumph and success and we're going to transform adversity, but really the only thing that's going to heal is bringing love into your life, love for yourself, and then choosing the people around you who really love Love you. Love for yourself and your your relationship with yourself is the foundation for your relationship with others. Right. So when you love yourself wholeheartedly, you're not going to accept anything less than that from others. And I, as I've grown to love myself more and more, yeah. I found it much easier to let go of toxic people, to right. break friendships that weren't serving me well, to create mm-hmm. boundaries with my own family, my own mother, my own sisters that are not healthy for me. Yeah. And um, and I because I choose to give myself the kind of love uh, that is wholehearted, that is free, that is you know um, that is that is just complete enough that. I'm not going to accept anything less than that. So 
it's it's been it's it's and it's a journey it's still happening but you know just recently for example i let go of a friend of a friendship that was not healthy for me for many years but i was hanging on mm. because i was afraid of letting go i was afraid of losing somebody who i had good times with and i was friends with even though it was eating away at me and and there was you know toxicity there there was manipulation there and and when i was on this trip in quebec uh for this last month that's when i finally ended ended the friendship and i felt wow. so free after that like a burden had been lifted and now the the friendships that are that i have i choose them carefully and the people that come into my life and stay in my life are the people who are truly 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 right for me mm. and i am so lucky to have have amazing amazing people that i can call friends um who would probably not have come into my life if i had continued to measure myself against other people's standards and uh allow people who were diminishing me uh into my life so everything starts from a place of self love and that's the love you give you and then you will find the people who give you that same kind of love and you'll have that relationship with them but the foundation is your relationship with yourself that's amazing and i think that would also help you get rid of this the whole i think people pleasing thing cuz i have removed toxic or left toxic relationships and friendships but there's always this little bit of guilt like you feel bad <laughs> that you, that you did that but you know it's better for yourself so does that sort of help you release like you don't feel that guilt anymore for absolutely i mean you know you if there's a momentary twinge of loss i would say i don't yeah. have guilt anymore mm -hmm. i feel a sense of loss and that's that's kind that's of kind fair. of that's the kind of loss you feel after a breakup from a bad relationship you know sure yeah like even then because you've had some good times you yes. know even the like even in my marriage which was super abusive there were definitely good moments and and so whatever you're you're losing something you feel a sense of loss even though you know that that thing was not right for you yes. right it's that same kind of thing when you know you you you're you're ending a a vacation and then you come home and you're eager to get back home but then you're also missing your vacation yes. so <laughs> so uh, you know i you'll hear all these travel analogies because i love travel oh i love it i miss <laughs> traveling so much yes so, uh, <laughs> there's a sense of loss but i have i i am really work, i've worked really hard and i'm still working really hard to get let go of the guilt there's nothing to feel guilty about uh yeah. when you're doing the right thing for yourself you have the right to do that and that's what society makes us believe is that we have to be selfless we have to be putting ourselves on the back burner to be good girls and <laughs> so so the definition of being a good woman is to lose yourself <laughs> like yeah it makes no, no sense <laughs> that and that's just so toxic you know like i'm not going to be selfless i'm going to be self loving um yes. and confuse self love with selfishness and that those are two very different concepts in fact the more loving i am towards myself the more loving i am towards other people the more i give back the more i help the more i do uh for others and i shine my light brighter for others uh, but my light has to burn bright first that's such an important point the distinction between selfish and self love yeah. so i've heard women say it so many times oh if i just start doing things for me then that's so selfish i can't do that 
but there's a very big difference between self-love. Supposed to put your own oxygen mask first before that's right. Others, you know. Yes. Selfish is Donald Trump, you know. (laughs) Yeah, the definition of yes. (laughs) That's not self-love. Like that person doesn't have an ounce of self-love within him because self-love starts from a place of empathy and kindness Mm -hmm. towards yourself and then towards others as an extension. Yes. And I think I also love that you talked about um, how there are good times and there are, no matter what situation you're in, I was in a relationship for a very long time as well. And, and there were bad parts about it and good parts about it, but those highs and lows in life, I think Brene Brown talks about it, that if you don't experience the lows and the challenges and the adversity, then you don't actually know how to appreciate the feeling of peace and happiness when it comes around. And that is life. And that doesn't mean you go out seeking adversity because you want to. (laughs) I think life is full of adversity on its own. And that's just a part of it. Like, but choosing to look at it from a place of gratitude. Yes. That is in your power. So what's happened to you, like I said, it's not your fault. And a lot of things that happen to us are beyond our control, good and the bad. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you look at it through a place of gratitude that this is, you know, if I'm losing my job, um, my a very good friend of mine was laid off today, this morning. Oh. And that's what I said to her. You weren't happy in this role. You yeah. were miserable. And I've seen her miserable. I've seen this role and the boss and everything eating away at her soul for months. And she was, you know, always thinking about it. Her entire emotional energy was spent on pleasing this toxic person who did not see her worth. And now, you know, I said to her, like, this is a blessing. This is being removed from your path because you were too afraid of letting go. And you will see a few months, maybe even a few weeks from now, you will look back and think, this is the best thing that could have happened. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and, but in that moment, it's hard. But I, I sat down with her and I said, okay, repeat after me. I am grateful that this happened. I choose to look at it from a place of gratitude and love. And even though I don't know right now what it's going to happen, but I'm grateful that it did. And right away, your perspective changes. Right yes. away, you're able to look at things, even the worst of things, through the eyes of gratitude and love. And when you do that, like, you know, you, you're, you're able to get through anything. Like I, I look at my ex-husband, I look at my parents And yes, there are days I struggle to forgive and there are days I feel angry, but then I change the narrative in my mind that I'm grateful um, for what happened. I'm grateful for the lessons I learned through it. I'm grateful for the person I've become through it. That doesn't mean what he did was okay. And sometimes people think forgiving somebody or being grateful for that experience means you're not holding them accountable and you're letting them get away with it. Like, no. No, you, you hold people accountable. Like, you know, the fact that I'm saying that I'm grateful f- that, that, you know, whatever I learned from that or I forgive him doesn't mean that what he did was okay. It just means I don't want that. I don't want to carry energy me. in your life anymore. I don't want that energy. Right. Because I want my heart to be filled with love, joy and happiness and not and instead of occupying space with love, uh, with ha- hatred, resentment and anger. Right. You're making space. You make space in your and life and in your heart. Any for that. who walks out of your life, whether it's 
of your choice or their choice or voluntarily or involuntarily, they're just making space for the right people to walk in. Right. And if you're not getting what you need in order to be fully yourself and thrive and succeed and live your truth, if you're not getting that and what you need to do that from the people around you, you're not asking for the wrong things. You're asking the wrong people. Mm. Yes. Yes. Who you surround yourself with is so important Absolutely. in your journey. Um, so, and actually, when you think about what, you know, uh, other people looking in in your life, they would look at you and say, you have accomplished so much. You've overcome so much. And I would think people look at you and go, she's arrived. Like she's done it. Check. Life complete. But I know we've been talking a lot about it's a journey, it's a practice, it's a continuous evolution. So how do you feel about your life right now and, and what's next in your, yeah, I'm on your path? With, I'm filled with a lot of gratitude. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of things in the pipeline, you know, with my, with my book and my second book and the book, the first book being adopted to a, to a film and the second book coming uh, in the works now. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, I've been <laughs> a nonprofit organization, uh, very, uh, like I've launched a nonprofit organization with a mentorship program to help women who are survivors of abuse to build better lives after mm. escaping violence. I have, I have a lot of things on the go and, um, it's, you know, it's wonderful, but there, but what I've been very diligent of lately is to only spend my energy and time on things that are aligned with my purpose and let go of things that aren't, right. um, whether it's a job, whether it's people, whether it's friendship, if they're not aligned to me, and if they're not speaking to me that this is my person, or this is my job, or this is the right fit into my path, and that's not for me. That doesn't mean that you go around being reckless and, and quitting jobs and things when you need to or not be financially responsible. It just means that you're aware of it, that this is a stepping stone, you know, and I've certain like I've I was telling you before, like I, I've had a banking career for eight years and I fell into it because a bank <laughs> offered me my first job out of university. If it was a food company, I would have been in that industry. Like it, it, that sure. time didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But as I've evolved um, and, and come to a place where I have the power to choose, um, then I'm going to choose things that are, that feel right for me and, and my path. Um, and everybody is unique. Everybody's driven in a unique ways, you know, and I'm driven by impact. I'm driven by purpose. Uh, and my purpose is to help people live their truth. And that's what, uh, I, I believe in with all my being. And that's, that's, whether whether it's my book, whether it's my film, whether it's my writing, whether it's my speaking, whether it's my job, everything is is aligned to that why. So find out your why. Why are you in this world? What is that fire that never ceases to burn in your belly? What is it that keeps you up at night and wakes you up in the morning? What is that difference you want to make, the legacy you want to live, leave behind? Find that why. And I found my why when I first started sharing my story and I was um, my inbox was flooded with thousands of messages from women all over the world, writing to me and telling me how much my story resonated with them and how inspired they got uh, in their own lives. And, um, and I, you know, I'm a, there's a quick quote by Mark Twain. There are two most important days in your life. The day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. And Mm. that's when I found my why. 
So everything that I do now is like I look, I think deep within, I ask myself, does this feel right? Is it aligned to my why? And if it is, I go for it. So um, I don't have a path carved out uh, that this is what I'll do and this is where I'll go. Um, I let things come. I let the opportunities come. I let the people come. I always open every door uh, that, that comes my way. I knock on a lot of doors. And then I ask myself, does this feel right? Does this feel aligned? And if yes, then I'll go for it. And if no, then you know what? I'm not the right person or this is not the right fit. That's amazing. I was going to ask you if you have any last words of wisdom. I'm like, forget it. End it there. (laughs) That was perfect. Finding out your why and making space for love in your life. I think you do those two. and And courage really, like I said, is not the absence of fear. Courage is about yes, I'm human and I'm afraid and I embrace my humanity. Yeah. Uh, and I choose to act from a place of love and courage instead of from a place of fear. Understand your why and act from a place of love and courage. I love that. Um, thank you so much. It's absolutely been a privilege to talk to you. I have got so much out of this conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very me much. Too. Me too. Thanks for having me. <laughs>